Peabody Freak, also known as Kerry, and I'm here with my co-host Deborah. Do you want to say hi? Hi, this is hi. Deborah, also known as uh, Vicky Mom. Hi, um, I talked over you then. Sorry, um, we're too excited for our first episode. Um, we have actually already, full disclosure, we recorded an episode already where we interviewed each other, and that was going to be our first episode. But then we realised that the guys are getting pretty well known at the moment and so there might be a lot of new fans out there uh so we thought it might be a good idea to actually start at the beginning and do the first episode just about the guys um give you a little bit of a history of each of the members and what the band has done up to this point just in case you don't know all of that already um so that's what we're going to do as our as our first um outing and hopefully this will be of interest to you Um, i want to start with peter let's start with peter Yes, I know you're very excited to talk about <laughs> Peter because he is the unsung hero of the uh, of the band, um, and Deborah will explain why now. Go for it. Tell me all about Peter. Okay. Well, Peter, first of all, to me, Peter is the linchpin of the band. I mm-hmm. don't think there would be a band at all if it wasn't for Peter. Uh, Peter, yeah. it was Peter's studio where this all started in Peter's studio, where everything so far has been recorded. Mm-hmm. Peter became friends first with um, Matt years ago and ended up renewing his relationship with Matt when uh, they were on tour together with Hedwick. Yeah. Peter had also met Mike when Mike was doing Hedwig on Broadway and the two of them worked together there and mm-hmm. struck up a friendship. When uh, Matt and Peter came back from the tour, Peter had invited Matt over to uh, his studio to do some jamming together. Did you just pass out in excitement? Was that the bang that was behind you? That was that was actually uh, me knocking something <laughs> off my desk. In excitement <laughs> so, about talking about Peter. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> so, and um, when, uh, after they had recorded a few things, Matt and Peter, Peter had gone out with Mike for dinner and invited him back to the studio to listen to some of it. And that is when Mike said, oh, I wouldn't mind singing on some of this. Mm -hmm. So it was really Peter who brought the group together, who brought Matt and Pete and uh, Mike in. And I can't believe that they could have resisted him because Peter is so enthusiastic about this group. Yes. And his enthusiasm is contagious and i don't know how anybody could be in a room with peter talking about the band without instantly wanting to join or support it in some way i have to agree i think peter is peter's the secret weapon uh (laughs) um and that smile is deadly at ten thousand paces i think (laughs) anything that peter would ask you to do you would automatically say yes so i agree i think peter is definitely the linchpin of this band um and where it all started um but yeah tell us about what you've learned about peter other than how he started the band go on 
Well, also, Peter, I think Peter sometimes gets uh, dismissed as just the drummer. You know, mm. you go on stage and half the time he's stuck way in the back or he's yep. surrounded by a cloud of smoke and practically invisible. Yes, um, I have that trouble when I'm trying to film the shows. I sometimes <laughs> cannot see Peter um, at all. Um, carry on. <laughs> I, I liked it better. There were there were a few shows where they had him up on a platform, so he was up higher than everybody mm. else, and I was like, that's where he belongs. Yes. Elevated. Um, and Peter doesn't just play drums, as they say, although his drumming is amazing. That mm. little bum, 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 bum that he does in the uh, All For You, in the beginning offering, mm. oh, just yeah, like, yeah. Gets, gets my heart going. But... Um, We've also seen him on stage. He's playing guitar, playing mm -hmm. bass, mm -hmm. playing keyboards. Mm -hmm. uh, several of the songs that they've done were actually songs that he had completely written and they were brought and he brought in and the lyrics were added, maybe a few tweaks, but they were basically Peter's songs. Yeah. Um, and of those, like I said, Armageddon Sweet and uh, mm. Saving Grace are two that come to mind immediately. Yeah, because Saving Grace was originally um, the lyrical content, most of the lyrical content, not not all of it by any stretch, uh, was part of a different song called The Fear in Love. And that wasn't quite working how they wanted it to. And they went back to the drawing board on it, as far as I understand. And then Peter came in with Saving Grace, this wonderful piece of music that he'd created. And I'm tempted to say some of the chorus um, and they played around with it and that became what we now know as Saving Grace. So, yeah, Peter, for the win. Carry on. Absolutely. Um, well, let's see. Do you want to delve into some of Peter's background or we want to? Of course I do. Yes. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about him. Yeah. Okay. Well, Peter is lives in New York now, and I think he considers himself a New Yorker now, mm -hmm. but he was born in Chicago and raised in Salt Lake City in mm -hmm. Utah. His uh, dad's a musician too, but also a cardiologist. Yes, uh, he's a jazz musician, isn't he? And Peter's brother has done uh, the editing on two of their videos. Um, let's see now, it's just... They, uh, he did Eat an Eraser. Thank you. The name just went right out of my head. Eat an Eraser was the one he did. And then he also did, did he do the Let It Go? Blur. Blur it was. Okay. So was it Blur or that. was it Shimmer? No, no. Shimmer, Shimmer was done by the same guy who did all the designing for the uh, Come of Age. That's right. So, yeah, it was Blur. That's right. That's right. So we have, so he comes from a talented family, obviously. He's been in a lot of bands. He's been a working musician since like 1990, thereabouts, I'm going to say. Wow. Because he was in, um, he was one of the founding members of the Wallflowers. Mm -hmm. Then he was with, uh, they were signed to um, Virgin Records. So he was okay. signed with them, you know, and he co-wrote some songs on that. Then he was with uh, Natalie Virchant and uh, did several records with her and f 
including, I believe, her best-selling ever, which was uh, Tiger Lily. Mm. And then uh, he moved over um, to New York, came down to New York, I believe, at that point. And he got involved with the uh, Tibet House Project, which is a yearly show they do at uh, Carnegie Hall. Mm. Ended up meeting uh, Yoko Ono there, doing, doing some playing with her. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, I'm blanking out here. Yeah. I, I had, a, I, I had it in my head, all these different people that he met there. Did he, um, I'm sure he, um, you told me about him meeting the, the guy that's the poet, the beat poet. What's he called? Yeah. That's the name that just went right out of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, getting too old. I'm forgetting everybody's name. Alan Ginsberg. That's the one. Alan Ginsberg. <laughs> Thank you. So he ended up uh, meeting Helen Ginsburg. I hope you can edit this because I just. <laughs> no, we, people know that we are humans and uh, this is not scripted. So, yeah, that's fine. Alan Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah. So he met Alan Ginsburg there um, and he became struck up a friendship with him and he played with him. He was playing with uh, Money Mark. He played with uh, Billy Bragg, Wilco. I mean, he's Stephen, and of course, he met Stephen Trask. And yes. with um, Stephen Trask, he wrote This Ain't No Disco, which had a uh, short run in New York. Mm. He also had his own one man show during the um, one of the New York Theater Music Festivals, which is an annual festival that they run for a couple of weeks in new york and he had I, his own show it was basically a one-man show yeah i think i've that, seen that is it on youtube uh not on youtube it was on another uh it was on a different platform I've, i have seen it it was a different platform but yeah it was it was really fun mm. and um he wrote it performed it wrote the songs for it and in fact one of the songs from that is what ended up turning into armageddon suite and then of course he had he met Chantel. Oh yeah. The lady that just did the backing vocals on Beja on the new right. album. Uh Chantel Claret, that's her last name. Mm -hmm. And he met her and they formed Morningwood. Mm. And oh, was it PM Bona as the um the new name for that band? <laughs> Do you remember that joke from the interview? Carry right. on. Hey. A.M. Bona, A.M. Bona. A.M. Bona. <laughs> the P.M. Bona is a whole different thing. Carry on. <laughs> and uh, so they had uh, several albums. He wrote for Sesame Street. What? He did a song for Sesame Street. I need to hear this song. <laughs> we'll have to find it. It must be on YouTube somewhere. Okay. Yeah, but that's, that's I know the next mission. Um, what was it? What's the name of the song on, that he did on Sesame Street? I'll have to find that. Mm. I'm, I'm sure that that's searchable somewhere. Somebody, somebody's going to have to tell us what it was. I think, oh, Rhyme Time. It was the music for Rhyme Time oh. on Sesame Street. So we'll have to look for that. We will find that. And then, of course, he was in uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the only performer that had done this, but he was in it from 
its first performance on Broadway through the last and the full tour. Did Lena Hall do that as well? I know that she won an award for her performance in that show and she was in it for many, many, many years. Um, I don't know that she did the entire full run though, so you might be right that Peter is the only one that did that. Yeah, I have to I have to check that out. But yeah, he was but he was in that for that whole time. Wow. He's he's busy. He's yes. busy. He's he's done all sorts of other little things all around, you know, playing with various people. And then he's got another group also mm-hmm. um, called Exclamation Pony. Exclamation Pony. Which also opened up for uh, the Brooklyn show that they t- did in September. Yes. Uh, just before they launched the, the most recent UK tour. Yes. And it was a really, it was a, it was a fun, a fun band, a fun mm. show. You can find them on Instagram as well. I think it's at Exclamation Pony. Um, just to I make that easy good. for everyone. Um, I hope that's correct because I just said that off the top of my head. I don't have that written anywhere, but I'm pretty sure that's the name of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I wish I'd been at that show. I would have liked to have seen them perform. I have some of it on video, so um, I'm coming to I, your house I will, to watch. I will, I will have to get that over to you. <laughs> yes, please. Anyway, um, okay. Is that everything about Peter? No, I'm sure there. I I think we could probably spend hours talking about Peter, but I will leave that for now and let other mm-hmm. people chime in. And uh, who do you want to talk about next? I can tell you about Matt. Okay. I just hit myself in the face as I was saying that because I was so excited about it. Um, (laughs) I can tell you about Matt Katz-Bowen, Matthew. Um, Oh, sorry about that. What was that? (laughs) That was me trying to sneak in a cup of coffee and hitting the microphone. I have a cup of coffee too. I will be sneaking mine in at a later stage. But yeah, you drink your coffee while I am talking about Matthew. Um, Matt is the other multi-instrumentalist of the band. Um, he plays lots and lots of different instruments um, that I've seen. Guitar, piano, bass guitar. I'm sure he plays the drums or, you know, I can name six different other instruments he probably plays. plays. But yeah, Matt grew up in Manhattan. He is a... He's a New Yorker born and bred. And he, interestingly enough, went to the fame school, um, the Fiorelli H. LaGuardia High. Um, So I thought that was quite a fun little tidbit of information. Um, And then he later went to Bard College, which is in Red Hook in New York. Uh, That's a liberal arts college. Um, And he has been a musician, a musician, a professional musician most of his life. He's done lots of little jobs outside of that while he was coming up and you know needed to pay the bills uh but for the most part he has been in professional bands since 1999 onwards really i started in daddy um that is a band that he was in with his ex-wife um laurel and they've got albums that you can i don't know if you can get hold of them cds i've got a cd um the music is out there if you google daddy you can buy their music on itunes still yep i've got got a few of those albums and uh one of the songs actually ended up translating over to oh i'll leave that for now go ahead okay yeah i know what you're gonna say um (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, yeah, so he was in Daddy, and that was they ran from 1999 to 2007. And then during that time, he also formed a partnership uh, called the Goon Squad with Miss Guy, or Guy Furrow. Um, that's a name some people might be familiar with. Guy Furrow was the lead vocalist for the Toilet Boys, who are or were a very big band rock band back punk rock i'm not entirely sure what genre they fell into um but they they toured with some really really huge names and guy was the lead vocalist and um all these now known as miss guy uh and then that ran from 2006 to 2010 and then in 2016 laurel and matt again had a different venture called uh, pastel confession uh, again i've heard some of their music as well I'm not sure whether that's purchasable out there in the wide world, but I have heard some of the, the music. Uh, and then his big, big milestone item was he joined Blondie in 2008 for the Parallel Lines, I think it was the 30th anniversary tour, um, and has been playing with Blondie ever since. Um, uh, has gone on to write numerous songs for them, including what I heard Take Me in the Night, uh, Love Doesn't Frighten Me, there's three of them. And he's done all kinds of producer credits um, for Blondie, obviously, and has travelled all over the world with them. Uh, and then on the other side of his music producing, he's also done uh, producing with five different members of the cast from RuPaul's Drag Race, including RuPaul, and several other different things that he did uh, as a separate piece with Miss Guy. Um, I do remember one of them is on YouTube and we've watched it every Christmas season um, <laughs> for the last couple of years. Do you remember that one? Uh, a Merry uh, Something Christmas, is it? Yes. Merry Effing Christmas. Um, the full word is used in the video and it is a delight. I cannot stress how much you need to go onto YouTube and find it. It is wonderful. Um, yeah, so other than that, he's did also I, done... Did oh. I ever tell you my story about that song? No, I want to hear it. Go for it. Um, my first Christmas at my current job, I was playing my Christmas playlist through my computer at work <laughs> with, the, with, with the speakers on, completely forgetting that that was part of my playlist. <laughs> Which becomes funny when you actually heard the song because it is explicit. <laughs> <laughs> I had to shut that down very quickly. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, so yeah, so he's done um, lots of lots of music with lots of different uh, really great art artists. So please go out and, and look for some of Matt's other music. Um, he's also done some work in stage and film. Obviously, he worked on the Hedwig tour that um, was mentioned earlier, which is the common denominator between all of them. He was the musical director for the tour and that's how him and Peter came to be hanging out so much and rekindling their friendship that they'd had for such a long time. Um, right. He also I was the... Think, I, I think he was also um, substituted in as or, or was the assistant music director towards the end of the Broadway run. Oh, okay. That's exciting mm. and doesn't surprise me because he's very talented. Um, 
Yeah, he's, he was also the guitar consultant on a film that came out in 2008 be, called Between Love and Goodbye. And he did the full score for a short film that came out in 2017 called Dear Henry. Um, and that's Henry spelt with an I at the end, not with a Y. There is a different film called Dear Henry with a Y. That is an entirely separate thing. His is the short film Dear Henry with an I, um, if you want to go and check that out. And um, the other important thing to know is that obviously Matt's daughter uh, came up with the original band name uh, Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum uh, when she was f around five years old. She had been right. to a butterfly museum in uh, New Orleans and when he picked her up she was talking about having a band and he asked her what he would she would call her band and she said princess goes to the butterfly museum and he said that is a fabulous name can i steal it and she said yes and um, so anna his daughter is actually the one credited with um the name of the band and i hope that she has um been given lots and lots of praise and attention and um, presence for that fabulous name because we've all grown to really love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Matt. Um, and then we've obviously got Mike. Um, people are a bit more familiar with Mike um, because obviously he has um, had a, made a name for himself. Obviously, all the guys have made a name for themselves. Uh, but Mike has made a name for himself specifically in the acting community rather than the music community. Uh, even though he's actually been very musical his whole life. Um, he grew up in Raleigh and uh, was in a boys choir when he was maybe 12 years onwards. And he, even though he never fronted any bands, he was singing pretty much in a lot of the things he was doing in theatre. When he was young, he went to Earlham uh, in Indiana, that's in Richmond in Indiana, which is a liberal arts college, uh, where he got his BA. And then he went to Tisch in New York, where he got his Master of Fine Arts. Um, and he did lots and lots of theatre during that time. You name it, he was in it. Um, but he didn't start his Broadway career until 1999. Do you remember the name of the show that he was in? That's when he was in Cabaret and he was picked to replace Alan Cumming as the MC. Correct. Um, and then he went on to do Chicago and um, another relatively unknown piece about him, theatre piece, um, was that he did Wise Guys. He did the workshop production of Wise Guys, uh, that, which is a Sondheim production. Right, and that was actually before Cabaret. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, wasn't was... sure whereabouts on the on the kind of the the time scale that that had landed. I couldn't find an actual date for that, but I, I believe thought... it was the fact that he had done that that brought him to the attention of somebody who considered him for Cabaret. Mm, that would make sense. Um, I've been blessed enough to know this person. <coughs> you um, <laughs> that happened to get her hands on a copy of that musical um just the sound not not the visual of it um from the original workshop recording and it is absolutely stunning um michael's voice mike michael whatever uh, his voice in that particular show is so huge um absolutely blew me away 
absolutely blew me away. Um, and yeah, so he did that. Uh, and then obviously he went on to do Hedwig, where he was the lead vocalist in a band for however long that run was. Um, and obviously from that he got, ooh, that's a big noisy piece of traffic, but it wasn't here. It might have been at your end. Um, um, so he then went on to do Lazarus, which was the sequel, if that's the right word, to The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, and he did that. Um, that was done off-Broadway in New York. And then and then it moved to London after that. It was Bowie's last project. Yeah, uh, and in some ways is instrumental in how I ended up meeting Mike. Um, I'll get to that when I get to that. Um, but yeah, so he'd done the Lazarus musical. And the, 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 the other musical of note that he did uh, was the Skittles commercial in 2019. That's um, right. Yes. Um, he did a very, very meta musical that was One Night Only, which was the night of the Super Bowl in 2019. And it was a half hour show with four songs in it. Possibly the most hilarious thing I have ever seen on stage. It was brilliant. It is on YouTube. It's very difficult to find. Um, I do implore you to go and find it if you can um you will enjoy it but yeah so he did lots and lots of theater lots of musical theater so he's always had that music there but obviously while all of that was going on he actually made a very well-known career for himself on the tv and those things were six feet under which ran from 2001 to 2005 um dexter obviously that ran from 2006 to 2013 and then Little did a lot of people know that he's actually played Batman um, at some oh, point in right. his career. He has I been forgot. Batman. Voiced, and he voiced Batman. Yes, in the Justice League Gods and Monsters in 2015. Um, so not a lot of people can say that they have been Batman, and he has. He was a vampire Batman, I think. Um, but yeah, he was Batman. And then, of course, the most important show that he did was in 2017. It was filmed, but it came out in 2018. And that was Safe, which is a show he did on Netflix. And he filmed that at the studios that I worked at at the time. And that's how we became uh, known to each other. Um, so that is the most important show as far as I'm concerned, because that's how <laughs> I know Princess Goes exists. Um, but yeah, that's Mike. Um, he does play an instrument, only the one that I'm aware of. Um, we shall see if we can find out if he plays anymore. He plays the Mellotron. Um, I was looking into the Mellotron because I wasn't sure how it was different from a piano. Um, but it is different. Do you know how it's different? I do. I do not. I just, I have seen it being played and I know it sounds a little different, but I guess mm. is it is it sort of like a uh, an organ or something that you can change the keys in who change the voices it's it's actually inside it it, ma it makes a strange noise not strange but a different kind of noise because the me the mechanism inside it it's actually running on a tape rather than a piano hits strings right so it's a tape that's inside it that's making the noise and they actually stopped making them in the i think it was the late 80s and then there was a revival about 10 years ago and you can only just start buying new versions of them now so i thought that was kind of cool um so yeah that's um the guys that are in princess goes right and uh, then mike 
Mike, of course, we, we should probably mention writes the lyrics. Yes. The lyrics, right. lyrics are his, and I believe he also uh, usually comes up with the melody. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's true. So Matt and Peter usually come along with all of the music, um, and Mike usually lays the lyrical content over the top of that. It happens in different orders. No one has a format for how the songs come about. They, they're all done differently. Some will be um, born in Mike's head and he'll take it to them and they'll put music around it. Other times they'll have had fully formed music that already exists as a whole and Mike will listen to it and go, ooh, here's what we can do over that. Other times it'll be jamming sessions that they have. Um, but none of their music is, I would say none of their music really has a specific genre that it fits into, which is really difficult to describe. Uh, what? How do you describe them to people when people ask you about them? Because obviously when people don't know who they are, they're going to go, oh, what kind of music do they do? And I usually say it's, it's electronic and rock, mm. but you really need to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it's such and, a difficult and, thing to categorise. Then I sit them down and make them listen to uh, a few songs. Yes, yes, I do that too. <laughs> and depending who it is, we'll change which song I'll play for them. Yeah, because there's such an eclectic mix to choose from that you can pick anything that you think might be the the one that would be the key for that particular person, whoever the listener is. This is something for everyone, really. Mm. Um. So yeah, I made a small list of the notable things that have happened in their career to date so far, um, because obviously they're up and coming. And but they have been, they have been around a little while. It feels like they've been around longer because the pandemic happened in the middle of it, where the world stood still, um, and a couple of years went by where we couldn't really do much and we couldn't go to any live shows or anything like that. But they've actually been um, around since early two thousand and eighteen and did their first gig in September of 2018. Um, do you know where? That was in Ber at a club called Berlin under Avenue A, which is a little, uh, it's in the East Village, and it's a, a little tiny club that's literally under Avenue A. It's, it's in the basement. Yeah, and it holds about 100 people, maybe, not even yeah. that. Now, somewhere between 100 and 150 if if they really will stick very close to one another. <laughs> Sardines, yeah. Uh, and then their first single actually came out in 2019 in October, and that was Ketamine. Right. Um, yeah, and so we had to go very... A, uh, or they came along with a nice uh, video. Mm, yes, at the Manor House. That was filmed near Sleepy Hollow. Um, did you know? Um, yeah, so we had to wait quite a long time between the live performances and any actual recording or a studio version of any song. Um, and I know we, we do actually touch on this slightly in the next episode where we've interviewed each other. Um, but you were the first person who ever recorded any of their songs in entirety and put them online. You put them on Facebook in a Michael C. Hall group, um, yeah. which I am eternally grateful for because up to that point, it had only been a, the odd clip here from Instagram, like 30 seconds here and there of people who were actually at the shows. So you couldn't yeah, really get a feel for the music. Basically put the entire show up on that. Yeah. 
and it and, can probably still be found if you if if you dig back far enough because that yeah. would have been in April of 2019, and yeah. that was and that was also at Berlin. Mm. It's on their little tiny stage that's about the size of a postage stamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. And um, I was the first person who took footage of them at their shows and actually put it on YouTube in a public space for people to see. So right. we, I, I, I filmed that first time ever at the show and put it on there. So I think people have come to know both mine and your names because we're the people who generally tend to post the videos of all of the performances, the live performances. Um, but yeah, so we didn't get uh, an actual release of full studio recorded stuff other than Ketamine in October 2019. They had uh, a little while before their EP came out, which was an EP of the same name, Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum. But that didn't hit until April 2020 um, while right, we were all locked right in our houses. The whole world shut down. Yes, they thought that was the perfect time to drop an album and, you know, <laughs> go out and do marketing. <laughs> Well, I have to say, I was lucky enough to be at the last show ever, which yes, was you were. March 12th of 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was the actual day that um, just hours before their show, mm. the governor and mayor of New York had a joint news conference closing Broadway and saying that effective after tonight, all live performances are being canceled and in yeah. fact um princess was one of three acts that was supposed to show that day mm. and it ended up uh the late night show canceled they didn't show at all mm. and we had the opening number which was uh, a single performer named swamp talk who is a uh, young person out of pennsylvania and then princess did this amazing show in uh, about a half filled venue, Mercury Lounge, because it was sold out. It was a yeah. sold out show, but about half the people didn't show because of pandemic fears. And then their first show again was October 30th of 2021. Yes. In the same venue in at the Mercury Lounge. Two and months. I was lucky enough to be at that yeah. one too, which was also a sold out show and packed. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get to that one because it was a month and a half before they opened the flight paths back from the UK to the US. So I couldn't get into the country to be at that one. Right. I do remember Mike coming out on the last show ever wearing a, ski, a pair of ski goggle masks. Uh, like a mask thing and a big scarf around his face and the last thing he said at that show was don't touch your face um yes. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that was that was their their last show ever and their first show back uh so their ep had dropped in april 2020 um and then they've had two albums since then uh on top of that which was thanks for coming which came out in december 2020 so we got that kind of it didn't feel like it at the time, but when I look at the dates as I've written them down, actually, it wasn't that long between the EP and the album, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, but then they ruined that by waiting three years to bring out the next one. <laughs> um, 
but to be fair, there was a pandemic in the middle of it. So they had their challenges. Um, and the next one came out in October 2023, just uh, a couple of months ago. And that was Come of Age. Uh, they're currently marketing that one. And then a couple of weeks ago, they did their first ever TV performance as a band. And that was on Live with Kelly and Mark uh, in October. And they performed Let It Go was the first song they ever performed on TV as a band. I said, hopefully that's the first of many. Yes, I think that will uh, definitely be the first of many. Now that they've had that first pop at a TV show, they're all going to want to have them on, I think. So, yeah, that is Princess Goes. Um, so if you didn't know any of that information, now you do. Um, uh, and if you already knew that information, I hope you found it interesting as we retold it to you. Um, <laughs> most of you out there probably know all that information already, but some people never have actually done the a little bit of a dive on the information about Peter or Matt. Um, Mike's done numerous interviews and his career is out there written on IMDb and all of that kind of stuff uh, for you to find. But um, some of these people that are listening to the band now have never known Peter or Matt prior to this. And I'm really hoping that they fall in love with them as much as we have over the years. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to do just a quick episode to tell you about why we're all here and who we're talking about. And that is it. All right. How did that go? Have we enjoyed ourselves? Well, we enjoyed ourselves, except for the fact that I couldn't remember anybody's name. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten that part already. <laughs> but now, uh, now we'll say goodbye and we will uh, we'll hopefully see you all when you return, fingers crossed, uh, for the first episode where we actually do an interview with someone. And that is, funnily enough, us interviewing each other because we've both been around on this scene with Princess Goes since the very inception of them really um i think deborah just fell over in excitement um <laughs> it was since the very inception of them uh so we figured we'd be a good place to start to ask how we got into this so that's the first episode and that will be coming soon well thank you very much for listening uh do you want do you have anything to say no except if anyone's listening and they have any other tidbits that uh maybe they can send a voice message letting us know and we could drop those into future broadcasts yes yeah um yeah that's a good idea we can have people send us little voice messages um of how they discovered the band uh how you got into it we'll, we'll start posting some prompts uh to tell you exactly how to do it um and we'll we'll start sharing those um we'll weave them into the narrative as we go along so that's it everybody thank you for listening all right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Come and Talk to Me, a podcast written and produced by myself, Peabody Freak, and Vicky Mom. We'd like to thank PG Bricks for the use of her wonderful image on the front cover of our podcast and Acast for hosting us on their platform. 